electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. This is Squawk Pod. I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on our podcast, Leveling the Playing Field. Killer Mike, the rapper and activist, launching a new bank. We decided to get in the freight and bring banking directly digital to your hand to do it directly for Black and Latino X, although it's open for everyone to use. It's called Greenwood, and Mike's got a message for corporate America. Check cashing places, liquor stores are going to lose the first quarter. We're coming for you. The big banks have to know that we're coming to compete. Increasing the number of Black-owned businesses by a million. John Hope Bryant says that's good for business. Black people and brown people are not a sympathy case. We are the future for this country. Demographically, we have all got to win. And Shopify's president on why the stay-at-home stock darling is stepping up. Entrepreneurship is a proxy for independence, and we want to be part of that change. All that and the rest of today's stories that got us talking. Election day, two weeks out. Trouble for brands like Revlon and WeWork. And soap. Americans are buying it. The entire country is not on lockdown. People need this stuff. People aren't going to work. If you're spending more time with your family, you better make sure you're clean. It's Tuesday, October 20th, 2020. Squawk Pod begins right now. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. I'm Becky Quick, along with Joe Kernan and Andrew Ross Sorkin. I want you guys to come back, but it is empty here, basically. So it's B-Y-O-M. Do you know what that is? It's bring your own milk for me if I want coffee. B-Y-O-M, bring your own milk. So I I went to get some (laughs) yesterday, and and now I I move the front milk and and go into the back where where the the expiration date is is later. You can do that. You know what what I got yesterday? November 2nd on my expiration. I December. Which makes me a little concerned because I don't know what to keep it good till December. I, I have a December. I just looked at it this morning. How is that December? Po- that I've never seen. Well, that it, it's I, I, would, some... I would love. I thought no, I thought I was really getting. Well, that sounds like powdered milk. Anyway, November second, no, and when I got it yesterday, I was like, "Oh my God, this milk is going to last longer." There's going to be an election the day the next the day. Right. I mean, it's really right. unbelievable. So we are close. We are as close as milk. Souring. Yeah, we are close. B-Y-O-M. Anyway, uh, in other political news, President Trump and former Vice President Biden will at times have their microphones uh, cut during the next debate. When one candidate is given a chance to provide a two-minute answer to each of the six debate topics, his opponent's mic will be muted. Uh, outside those two-minute periods, both candidates will be allowed to speak. President Trump's campaign manager accused the debate commission of bias, but said the president is committed to debating Joe Biden, regardless of last minute rule changes. The debate is set for Thursday at 9 p.m. Eastern in Nashville. It's going to be moderated by NBC News' Kristen uh, Welker, and it will run uh, 90 minutes. And I momentarily thought I would I would ask to do our our shtick where, you know, one of us starts talking and I pretend. But, you know, I just people get confused. It looks like we have technical problems. I think there's a good policy, by the way. For say. us, I oh I, I, I thought for us I thought for us no, it's not a great for us. I actually think no, but for the uh, no for the debate so during the por- during the portion of the conversation where there's not supposed to really be a debate right. where they're supposed to actually Fine. give a presentation. Let us hear. Both sides should be quiet and let the other one talk. And then when there's a right. debate, there's a debate and leave the microphones on. All right. 
I, but, I agree. I, not to mention, I, I don't I think, think it's this good. is changing the rules. I think this is enforcing the rules that already existed. I think that's where the frustration has come in from the debate, uh, the debate people to begin with, is that the rules are set in advance, and then the candidates have chosen not to follow the rules. Right. Right. Okay. And then they did it anyway. So I think they... they Cut one of us off anyway, uh, but that's good. No, that, they that didn't. I was it. just pretending. I was playing along with you. Oh, you were good, good, good. Uh, I mean, we, we, you know, we can't lose our. Cut me off. Do we not need a sense of humor in this world? Exactly. The, Lighten up, everybody. But luckily, we get these days. The least we could do is we get some funny things happening in the news. <laughs> Revlon's out with a stark threat to bond investors, saying that their holdings may be in jeopardy if they don't take part in a proposed debt exchange. The cosmetics company is seeking to buy back $345 million of 5.75% bonds that are due next year at a steep discount to face value. So far, investors aren't biting. Revlon extended an early participation deadline after receiving just 11% of those bonds. Investors who turn in their bonds by Thursday are eligible to receive $325 in cash for every $1,000 in notes that they submit. It tells you how steep the haircut's going to be. If Revlon can't convince 95% of the bondholders to participate, it risks hitting a November 16th trigger date that would make more than $1 billion of secured debt come due. The company's liquidity in December was just $344 million, stock up by nine cents this morning. Um, but guys, this may shed a little light on why we have seen Ron Perlman uh, selling so many of his assets. Yep. No, this has been, uh, and you know, Robert Frank has been reporting this story out for us for, for so many months, uh, weeks and months now. And there's been all of these questions and speculation about that, uh, Ron Perlman's empire and what it means. But this may be um, you know, one of those moments. We, we, well, the empire, we uh, the empire at one point, he could have, that $345 billion, he, he could have just easily written a check for that. I mean, at one point, he was worth right. $20 billion, uh, supposedly, uh, and it's, you know, mounting problems of, uh, of it down around $4 billion now. So, and then who knows what the $4 billion really means, and you're talking about $350. Right. So, I, it, it, it is... It was hard to imagine that, that there would be any type of liquidity problems that Robert was talking about at the time. But I think we're starting to Here get at, at least indications yeah. that, that uh, you this know, this is why I, you would if, sell your artwork and your yacht. Aren't, we're feeling a little bit better right. about ourselves, aren't we? I mean, all that money it just causes problems, guys. I mean, it, you know, then you, you know, then you got to make sure you, you don't what you're willing to take your chances, Sorkin. What do you think? It's We're not lucky. the money. It's we never the money. It's, I know. Oh, it's, it's, it's never it's the money. It's score. always the leverage, Joe. It's and the keep, leverage. Yeah. It's not right. the money unto itself. It's the, right. it's the debt. The debt lights the match of the fire every single time. So right. if you right. over leverage yourself, the risk is real. But it's nice, um, to, feel, meantime, it's nice um, to feel good about ourselves sometimes when we're talking about billionaires and think, God, that seems like a real... He must be you know, losing sleep and just... Uh, Feel, well, feel pretty. Huh? You never want to see anybody uh, go. No, no, no. Yeah. I, I, I like Ron Lai. I love his. You know, I, I, there's some. You know, Bill Bouquet and everything else. And uh, yeah. the, I've never been to that party out, out there. You haven't either. I don't think. Uh, they don't, and they don't have it anymore. I don't think. Yeah. Right. Right, Andrew. I, You're talking about the uh, the the the, um, the big Hampton thing. The charitable effort for the Apollo that he that he used to do every summer. I, but, I have not been. He is. Uh, he has been a great supporter of so many parts of, of the great yeah. city of New York and, and elsewhere. And I, uh, I frankly, for his 
economic sanity. Hope that uh, all of this uh, does you see the work bonds, out. But I, 33 I appreciate cents. the point that you're making, too. Yeah, 33 cents, some of, some of those bonds. That's, that's not, when you get to that level, it's not looking, you know, there's a reason right. it's 33 yeah. cents. Right. Yeah. Yeah. If you are following the soap opera that continues to be WeWork, uh, we got some news late yesterday. WeWork's executive chairman, Marcelo Clora, saying that uh, at a Wall Street Journal conference uh, that that famous consulting agreement you might remember with founder of WeWork, Adam Newman, he says it's over. Clora saying, quote, I think Adam may have violated some parts of the consulting agreement, so that is no longer in effect. He didn't elaborate on how the agreement was violated, saying it was part of a continuing uh, litigation effort. And Newman's exit package included $185 million for consulting. The Wall Street Journal reported that Newman did not receive that entire amount, though it's worth noting, given the shares that he had in the company, he took, he got about a billion dollars of stock, about $500 million also refinanced. Uh, lost now, it looks like the $185 million. But I should also mention, guys, he is back. I don't know if you've seen this. He invested about $30 million in Alfred, uh, which is involved in the dog walking business, I believe, just about uh, about a week ago. So uh, he... Um, Does that make him a major investor or he's back, just kind of riding along? Back, back on the pedal. Hmm. What did you say, Bex? Does, does that make him a major investor where he actually gets some say in the game or is he just kind of riding along on somebody else's thing? I don't know. That's a good question. Um, he invested $30 million. It's, it's, it's the Alfred Club. It's, it's part of this real estate effort uh, that sort of is um, a white glove helping service of sorts. I'm not sure what his role is. Not, he's not operating the business, that's for sure. But uh, he is investing <laughs> yeah. in that. And he's invested in a number of other buildings in New York and other places. So um, I, I don't think Adam Newman is going away quietly. How about that? Earnings out just a short time ago from Dow Component, Procter & Gamble. The company beat analyst estimates for sales and profit, also raised its full-year sales forecast, elevated demand for household products during the pandemic, playing into the move. P&G's CFO, John Muller. It was clearly a heightened uh, consumer need for health, hygiene, and a clean home, which our portfolio fits right into. Uh, there's also um, a flight to uh, brands that I know and trust that are going to do the job for me and my family. And uh, so that's uh, yielding uh, share gains on a global basis. On that raised sales growth forecast, P&G now expects revenue to increase 3 to 4% during fiscal 2021, up from the previous 1% to 3%. And, you know, guys, I really thought I was on to something, um, you know, like about soap, you know, uh, Shaving projecting cream. a little. You're there by yourself I'm here. now. I'm here. I was projecting yeah. from Andrew. We can't smell I mean, you from here. Have... I can't smell you from here. No, no, uh, no. But people that are at home, I mean, you know, deodorant is like, ah, I don't know. I get a rash. Uh, shaving, I why know. shave? If you're going to be around your spouse all the time, your... you better start using deodorant. I thought, I really thought we'd see uh, like a, you know, some products doing better. The household cleaning products doing better, but maybe some of the products with just being a slob at home, I figured out maybe, you know, I figured some of those might not be growing as much. I was, I was, go the ahead. The entire country is not on lockdown. Faulty. People need this stuff. People aren't going to work. They're not on lockdown, but, but just the stay at home. Like I said, 
If you're spending more time with your family, you better make sure you're clean. Well, that, your that's wife my, will out That's you. my old joke. You know, I was glad to get married. I could stop dating, you know, stop exercising, um, you know, stop, uh, you know. Anyway, uh, the- Pick a winner, Penelope. <laughs> yeah, right. Next on Squawk Pod, an ambitious plan for creating one million new black-owned small businesses in America. Operation Hope founder, John Hope Bryant. This is community-based stimulus from the bottom up, powered by the private sector in a model that can be replicated by anybody and maybe even our governments. And Harley Finkelstein, president of Shopify. We want to create more entrepreneurs. We want to help give them the tools in which to do so. We'll be right back. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration. Our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. This is Squawk Pod from CNBC. Operation Hope and Shopify are teaming up to empower black entrepreneurs. The initiative from Operation Hope aims to create one million new black businesses in America over the next 10 years, and they're setting up a way to make it sustainable. Other partners to one million black businesses will provide access to accountants, commercial bankers, and business consultants to help grow sales. And successful applicants get a fully functioning site on Shopify, which powers e-commerce for direct to consumer brands, things you've probably bought after seeing an ad on social media. I fell for it on shoes, pajamas, and a nice new set of dishes. Shopify's stock has had an incredible run in 2020, thanks to the pandemic changing consumer behavior. The company is now committing up to $130 million towards this entrepreneurship effort. Andrew Ross Sorkin spoke with John Hope Bryant, Operation Hope founder, chairman and CEO, and Shopify president, Harley Finkelstein. John, you know the thing that I love about you most is you're always trying to work uh, to not just help people, but to come up with concrete plans uh, to change the dynamic. And this is one of them. Tell us about this and how it's going to work. Well, this is community-based stimulus from the bottom up, uh, powered by the private sector uh, in a model that can be replicated by anybody uh, and maybe even our governments. You know, this came from an idea that I introduced on Squawk Box uh, with the Milken Institute a few months ago from the new Marshall Plan. Um, and it's very tangible, and I, it was, it's a desire to check all the boxes, uh, to deal with the economic crisis, to address the impact on black small businesses from a global uh, pandemic uh, that's affected us all, uh, to deal with 400-year-old uh, social justice reckoning in a way that's positive and aspirational and stimulates aspiration at scale. And we thought black business is the way to do that. And I'm just so pow- empowered and uh, hopeful, my middle name, to be partnering with Shopify on this. Uh, Harley is a cool, guy, a very cool dude. As you know, he even shows up looking cool on your show. Uh, and this kind of confidence uh, backed up by commitment is what we need to see in this world today. And this program will take somebody, uh, Andrew, from an idea uh, all the way up the ladder. So 
small business training, whole business in the box, entrepreneurship training, uh, business plan preparation, 700 credit score training, graduation into the Shopify world. Shopify has a very elegant model that takes you from domain name to website to e-storefront uh, to fulfillment, uh, payment systems. <laughs> Your first sale, I love this part. Your first sale, you get a credit line. It's unbelievable. <clears throat> and then we're going to wrap professional advisors around that, Andrew. Uh, we have accounting firms like Aprio. They're providing CPAs and business management firms and law firms, uh, bankers even, First Horizon Bank. Uh, uh, in Tennessee, the first bank to offer volunteer bank support. So it's holistic. And that's what I like about it the most. And it's at scale. So Harley, talk to us about, about the project. There's a $130 million investment by you. What does that mean? Yeah. So I think as, as John mentioned, you know, historically black communities have faced systematic barriers that have prevented their full participation in this entire entrepreneurial journey and, and explosion. We know that Black-owned businesses in the U.S. only represent like nine and a half percent of all U.S. businesses, which is really, really low. And so what we're trying to do here is we want to uh, create more entrepreneurs. We want to help give them the tools of which to do so and do so in a way that's really lightweight, where the barrier to entry is very, very low. So as John mentioned, not only are they going to go through a program where they're going to learn about financial literacy and get education, but as part of the program, they're going to get Shopify stores. And we're committed to helping them with education and a step-by-step method to actually launch a business. We think the second that they launch those businesses, the entire identity of, the, of that particular entrepreneur changes. And, and we're super happy to do that with, with John and, and, and with Hope. We think it's, uh, you know, frankly, uh, entrepreneurship is a proxy for independence and we want to be part of that change. And, and we think a future with more entrepreneurs is, is a much, much better future. Harley, what is the... Um the customer base or clientele of Shopify look like right now in terms of if you were to look at the uh, the, the diversity of those entrepreneurs? Yeah, so we don't actually ask our, our, our merchants what would race there when they're signing up, but, but it, it does reflect generally what we see in America, which is a much smaller percentage of, of entrepreneurs uh, are, are black entrepreneurs. And a lot of it is, you know, lack of role modeling, lack of mentorship. And I think partnering with, with the Hope Foundation and, and certainly uh, getting to know John and becoming John's friend over the last couple of months, one of the things that, that we've absolutely noticed is that we can actually help change this entire, this entire thing. We can, we can actually be part of this solution. John, how much of this is, is, is about funding, though? Is a, is a funding funding problem? We've talked about this for a long time. I mean, uh, look, funding is a is a real problem in the black community, uh, but it's not the only problem. You have different kinds of capital, as you know, Andrew. You got emotional capital, relationship capital, mental capital. You have to have the right mindset to win. You also have to have the right support system to win. You know, I can give a, a homeless guy a million bucks because I feel sorry for him, but he may be broken six months if we don't change a lot of other things in, in his or her life. And this is empowerment at scale. This is teaching men and women to fish at scale and then giving them uh, the ladder and not just telling them to bootstrap themselves. So it's, it's, uh, it's capital, Andrew. It's just different types of capital. That uh, volunteer accountant, that volunteer banker, that volunteer ma- business management firm and lawyer, that's capital. The entrepreneurship training, that's capital. Uh, the, uh, the mentoring that, that, that Shopify is going to provide through their D&I group, uh, the coaching, they're going to provide to make sure people are successful on the back end. That's capital. Uh, every step of this actually is capital. It's just that the credit line is the fuse that that ensures that success can be replicated. I, I just love this this piece that they do that if you your credit 
it comes from the Latin, Latin word credito. You know, it's credibility. Once they have the credibility of showing they can build a business and make a sale, they get a credit line. It's beautiful. And that's a scalable model, and that should give people hope and belief that their works are not in vain. And I think other bankers and others will, right. by the way, follow this lead and want to rally behind us and slot in to fill some of the other gaps that, that are here. John, um, you are on now day two of uh, your, uh, your, your global summit that you do every year. Uh, people are catching it online. You've got Dan Shulman coming up today. You've got Doug McMillan of Walmart. Uh, you've got the NFL commissioner, Roger Goodell. What, what are you hoping to go with those conversations? Well, we want to be a, a, not a meet to talk, but a meet to do, a meet to understand, uh, a meet to bridge. We need, we need bridges. We need the color to go from red and blue and black and white to green for all. <laughs> uh, and we need the free enterprise system and capitalism to open up to be available to all of God's children and, re and folks to realize that black people and brown people are not a sympathy case. We are the future for this country. Demographically, we have all got to win. You can take no pleasure from the fact there's a hole in my end of our boat. We're all in this together. And if we see black and brown people and poor whites, my brothers and sisters in the rural areas, as economic energy on the sidelines that needs to be rehabilitated and prepared and, and brought into the game, GDP pops. And that's what I want, is this to be viewed, these markets be viewed well, as markets, as a business case. Harley and Shopify see this is not only a, the right thing to do, they smartly see that this is also a future business segment for them that they need to grow. That's the kind of respect uh, that I think is deserving of African-American and other entrepreneurs in, the, in, in, in training for the future. That's our goal for the Hope Global Forum, is to inspire folks to want to lead uh, with their actions. And, and Andrew, remember that for okay, entre well, entrepreneurship and, and, and what comes from it, success has so many different definitions. For some of these entrepreneurs, it will be building the next great company, creating an incredible leader in their space. For others, it's a matter of putting food on their table and a roof over their head. And so that's the value of entrepreneurship is that it democratizes so much. It provides independence. It provides equality. And that's what we're going for with this partnership. Uh, John and Harley, uh, we want to congratulate you on the partnership. Uh, we will uh, watch and uh, and follow your progress with it. We should also mention to viewers that you can watch what is now day two of the Hope Global Forum. It includes a lot more from John and Harley and includes so many other guests, as I mentioned before. Doug McMillan uh, from Walmart is going to be with them today. NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell will they'll also uh, be there as well. You can follow it on the Hope Global Forum page on Facebook. Coming up on Squawk Pod, activist, entrepreneur, and rapper Mike Render, also known as Killer Mike, is building a digital banking platform designed for black and Latino customers. We wanted to target communities that banks were ignoring in terms of home loans, lower fees in terms of checking. We wanted to be there and to be a resource, and it seems as though the community is responding well. Back after this. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools. 
This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. You are listening to Squawk Pod. This is what democracy looks like. This is what democracy Across the country in 2020, protesters have been demanding justice for George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and over 150 other black Americans killed by police this year alone. But in Atlanta earlier this spring, some demonstrations turned violent, devolving into fires and vandalism. As frustration and fear among protesters escalated in the immediate aftermath of George Floyd's death, rapper, actor, and activist Michael Render, a.k.a. Killer Mike, spoke to his Atlanta community in a powerful speech. It is your duty to fortify your own house so that you may be a house of refuge in times of organization. Less than two weeks after that speech, another black man, Rayshard Brooks, was killed by Atlanta police in a fast food drive through renewing outrage in Mike's hometown and across the nation. Four months later now, Killer Mike has launched Greenwood, a digital banking platform aimed at offering black Americans a path to financial security and wealth building. But why is a banking platform for black consumers necessary at all? And what does it have to do with these protests? While the big banks are, well, enormous, they struggle with serving all of America, specifically supporting black America the same way they support white America. Big banks are part of America's foundation, but bias, injustice, and a centuries-long legacy of disproportionate loan rejections for folks of color, redlining, Even the geographic locations of branches in minority white neighborhoods, this has all left black Americans disillusioned by the U.S. banking system and therefore reluctant to participate in it. Americans who are unbanked are disproportionately black and Latinx. And without a financial institution, it's harder to build credit, wealth, businesses, and ultimately harder to participate. Here's Andrew Ross Sorkin kicking off a conversation with Killer Mike, who says financial wellness for black Americans is key to breaking a cycle of inequity. We appreciate uh, you being with us. Uh, And Mike, I will tell you that uh, that speech, uh, I watched it over and over again, and it moved me in so many ways. But I want to talk about Greenwood this morning and really understand where it came from. Uh, You are um, an artist, uh, but you are also a small business owner, an entrepreneur and an activist and what you hope Greenwood can become. Yeah, well, um, let me say, I've been an activist for 30 years, since I was 15 years old. I was mentored directly by people like James Orange, who worked directly with Dr. King and NCLC, and Andrew Young. Andrew Young has been a friend and mentor for 30 years. Um, Ryan Ryan Glover is an extremely brilliant businessman on the ground here in Atlanta. He founded Bounce TV. He and Paul Judge, who come from the tech world. These brothers are just great brothers, and Andrew Young went to India, he saw a card that young that young and poor and working class people were using there to circumvent um, heavy taxation in terms of check cashing and things of that nature. So he saw Greenwood as something that would make sense here for poor and working class community, working class and or middle class communities. 
Ryan understood the need for black banking financial institutions on a day-to-day basis where brick and mortar banks were leaving and we were left with check cash in places and liquor stores. And he also understood, like my 13-year-old daughter, that banking is going digital in your hand. Greenwood um, in Tulsa was a magnificent place, as Auburn Avenue and Edgewood Avenue um, in Atlanta are, as Inglewood, California and Harlem used to be. And we believe that we have a potential here to recreate the spirit of Greenwood in multiple cities and places throughout the country, help people become financially literate, take control of their dollar. And we know that like Greenwood 100 years ago, if the dollar turns 36 times in the community, it empowers and has a greater chance of empowering 36 people who get that dollar and the people beyond them that work with them. Um, this is this has worked in America time and time again. We also know in capitalism, competition usually breeds good outcomes for the customers. So we decided to get in the fray and bring banking directly digital to your hand to do it directly for Black and Latino X, although it's open for everyone to use. We wanted to target communities that banks were ignoring in terms of home loans, in terms of um, lower fees, in terms of checking. We wanted to be there and to be a resource. And it seems as though the community is responding well. Mike, can I ask you, do you think the, the big banks in America, and we can name them if you want, but we'll just call them the big banks in America, do you think they're fundamentally yeah. racist organizations? I think that racism is fundamentally ingrained in America, but that does not mean racism cannot be exited out, right? So you take a country, I was reading a, um, I was reading a quote by Benjamin Franklin yesterday that talked about the Negro and the Tommy people and how you don't want to bring in um, those people to overpopulate this country, which is going to be filled with white people from, of, of the UK heritage. So I understand that even in the inception, because race is a mythology created 500 years ago, in its inception, we have had this entanglement of, of race and controversy. But what we have the ability to do now is unwind that. You can unwind racism on a social level with proper education about proper history and about our proper um, um, relation to one another. You can undo racism systemically in banking and help undo things like redlining, refusal to give loans, refusal to give GI loans and things of that nature. We can undo that by creating a fair place in which people who are comparable, I might be black and another person might be white, we go into one of the big four major banks, I have a 21% greater chance of being turned down for a loan, whereas in yours is only 8%. If we level that ground with Greenwood, if we make sure that people can drill the first act, the first accruement of wealth is home ownership. If we can make sure that more blacks can step into the middle class from the working class to simply begin the act of home ownership. And then black businesses, small and medium like mine and my wife's have an opportunity to get capital and grow. Then we create a market in which the need for racism, uh, which is long past, is now no longer a need to be used. And what you have is someone or a group of people who can participate in the greater economic strengthening of this country. Racism is bad for money. When racism is bad for money, it cripples one community and it does not allow that community to participate in the greater economic community, thus hurting the greater community. Um, I believe that once desegregation ended, we desegregated our dollars, yet we never properly desegregated the methodology of getting capital into our business. And we have to reverse that trend. Uh, Mike, in terms of the, the business you're going after, are you going after the big banks or are you really going after the, 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 uh, the check cashing shops right now? You got to win the first quarter before you talk about winning the game. We want to win the game, and the game is to definitely be a competitor to and go and, and to make the big bank step up. And I'll give you a perfect example. Four years ago, when rappers like me, T.I., Young Dolph, and Young Thug decided to move money into Citizens Trust Bank and take other people and encourage them to do the same. Millions of dollars got moved to Citizens Trust, to Carver Industrial. Millions of dollars got moved to places like One United. But what happened was Wells Fargo 
um, who was in trouble at the time for skimming out of um, people's accounts, popped up with a $60 million black loan program. Not minority, not mixed income, not any of the plethora of people of color, not any of those names. They said black because they understood that direct competition was coming. So in the first wave, what we're going to do is get people the ability to save the 20 cents on the dollar they're currently being charged for check cashing. So check cashing places, liquor stores are going to lose the first quarter. We're coming for you. But the big banks have to know that we're coming to compete. We're going to get in the long game. We're going to get in the capitalization small business game. So the long game is to win the big game. The first quarter is to make sure that working class people, poor people and lower middle class people have the ability to keep more of their money as they become financially literate and start to accrue things like houses in that first level of wealth. Mike, we are just uh, two weeks away now from the election. You've been involved in politics uh, for a very long time. I want to ask you about this. Uh, 50 Cent was watching Power Lunch yesterday on, on CNBC as it happens. There was a tax report <laughs> about the different uh, tax regimes uh, under Trump and Biden. And uh, and uh, the marginal tax rate at the highest level goes to 62 percent. He tweeted out yesterday, I don't care. Trump doesn't like black people. Sixty two percent. Are you out of your blanking mind? And said that he was voting for Trump. W- where do you land? Where do I land? I land below 50 cents pay grade. That's where I land. But I'm working hard to get there. I um. I land with black people are financially more sophisticated than they're giving credit for. You have people like Michael V. Roberts out there. You have people like Robert Smith. You have people like Freddie Figures that have made hundreds of millions and billions of dollars. These men are brilliant men. Um, I don't know if they agree with 50 Cent or not, but I know the goal of any person of, 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 of any wealth is to keep more of your money than you give away. This is not an endorsement of any candidate, but this is just saying for the regular person at home, if you have $100, and someone is saying they're going to tax you $62, that leaves you with $38. So even though you want to say 50 cent is crazy, I don't agree with 50 black people, I don't like black people that don't like black people, you have to start to say on a very fiscal manner, 50 cents is not crazy as he sounds. So I'm not saying don't vote for Joe or vote for Trump or any of that. I'm just saying that people who make over 400000 a year are um, probably going to be thinking differently than people who make less than 400000 a year. So the question becomes for me, if I am taxed, and I'm one of those people who have money that's willing to pay slightly higher taxes, I pay about a 45% tax rate now. Would I be willing to pay an extra um, 10% tax rate? Yeah, but I would have only been willing to do it if the guy I wanted to be president would have been president because I knew that the social programs that I support would have then been supported out of my tax dollars and not necessarily out of my wife's and me philanthropic giving, which we do. So whether 50 cent, well, it's good for 50 cent, it's good for 50 cent. But in terms of Michael, I would have been willing to pay slightly higher more taxes or 10 percent increase simply because if the guy I was going for would have got voted in, I think that the social programs would have created a better America for the next 20 years. But I'm going to tell you, I asked a person of, of means okay. one time, did they care about a gubernatorial race? And they said, all my business is in the city of Atlanta. I don't care who's the governor of Georgia. And that showed me that people with money tend to think with their pocket Kill first before race. Mike, we got we got to thank you. We appreciate uh, your time no this morning and we wish you lots of luck. Have a good with morning. You. Talk to you soon. Thank you very much. That's Squawk Pod for today. Thanks for listening. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 a.m. Eastern and subscribe to Squawk Pod on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. We'll meet you back here tomorrow. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. 
That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. 